Well, hello. You are tuning in to Word of Life and our podcast. What an exciting day because this is podcast number one. What a great message you get to hear as Pastor Bill talks about a life of faith. I hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, go over to our website at WLFAR.com and click on the Give tab and you can contribute to what God is doing here in Northwest Arkansas. God bless and enjoy. I'm going to talk this morning about the life of faith or the daily the daily walk of faith. I want to look at the practical side of faith. Next week, I may look at the powerful side of faith, but today I want to look at the practical side of faith. And if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever there, you can look with me at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'll get right into this. I was going to do all of this this morning, and I got to looking at it, and I thought it's too much. So I'll just give you half of it today and half of it next week. So it may be a little shorter than usual. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see about that. I just want to make a, a, a strong point here this morning about the life or the daily walk or the practical side of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, of course, begins now faith, presently faith, is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I really want us to focus on from here verse 2, though. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Faith does not give up. It doesn't say it's it's no use. It doesn't faith has no quit in it. There's no quit in faith. In Luke chapter 18 verse 8, Jesus said when when I come again, will I find faith? The passion translation says calls that persistent faithfulness. Will I find persistent faithfulness? Faith that moves mountains is the same faith it takes to live daily in submission to God with a good testimony. A lot of people want to be a person of faith and power. We see great ministers. We see great things happen in people's lives. And we desire to be a person of faith and power, miraculous power. I've had miraculous power. I've had miraculous things happen in my life, miraculous things. I'm sure most of you have too. But a lot of people want that. They desire that. But they have no desire to be the person of faith who is walking in humility and obedience. Again, a daily walk with God. One of the greater men's, men in my lifetime, he is deceased now. He's known by thousands, probably millions. It's a man named Kenneth Hagin. In his ministry, no doubt thousands, perhaps even millions of people were healed in his ministry as he prayed the prayer of faith. He done miraculous things, God done miraculous things through him. 
But I see a greater faith in this man than the, than the miracles that I've seen happen at his hand or his, in his ministry. I'll just tell you, give you a personal testimony. I was in one of his meetings at the convention center in downtown Tulsa, and he called people up that wanted prayer. I think it was a call for ministers, pastors and ministers. And so I go up and get in line, and these lines are, I think there's about four lines, or about four deep, and they're probably a um, hundred feet long. A lot of people standing in the front. And so he prayed one simple prayer. He said, I'm not going to lay hands on everybody. I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to walk in front of you. If I feel like laying hands on, on you, I will, but if not, I may not. He started praying. I'm in the third line. I'm in the third line. Everybody that he's walked in front of has fallen. And I say to myself, I'm not falling unless it's God. You know, I don't like show. I just, I just resist it. But I'm not falling unless it's God. But when he, when he turned the corner down here to my right and started in front of the row that I'm standing in, my knees start getting weak. And at first I kind of stiffened up and I said to myself, I'm not falling unless it's God. But let me tell you this, the closer he got, it came to the point where I had just had to give up and fall. I'm just talking about, a. now listen, that's the miraculous power of God. You don't do that in the natural. That doesn't happen in the natural. It wasn't hype. He wasn't psyched up. He was not, he was not a loud, boisterous. He was not a rod parsley. He was very calm, cool, and collected, but powerful. A powerful man of God. But what I did see, what I really liked about him, was his, his commitment, his faith in God, his everyday walk. A man who was pastoring a church, and God simply spoke to him and said, I want you to go to Tulsa, I want you to go to Broken Arrow, and I want you to start a school, and I want you to teach faith. That doesn't sound very exciting at all. But guess what Kenneth Hagin done? He done exactly what God told him to do. Went there, built a school, started a school, taught faith, and probably at least thousands again, if not maybe millions of ministers on this globe because of Rhema Bible School. A great man of God. I seen it in his walk with his wife. Seen him with his wife one day. The two of them together, there was no conflict. There's just a man and a woman that loved each other and loved God. Just a faithful daily walk with God. I seen it in his children. He had a son and a daughter. I seen it in their lives. On and on, the generations that followed him. That's the greatness that I seen in this man's life. Not necessarily that I stood in a line, a prayer line, and fell under the power of God, but his daily walk with God. <clears throat> in... Hebrews 11, 8, it says, by faith, Abraham. If you study the life of Abraham, there were some powerful things happened in his life. There were some mighty things that happened. But you have to realize this man lived to be 175 years old, and he walked with God every day. 
every day of his life. He walked with God in the simple things. You know, when we, when we look at these men like Abraham, we think, we read about, we read about the life of David. We read about Elijah and Elisha. We read about powerful men of God. <clears throat> and that's what we focus on. But you realize even in the life of Elijah, a powerful man of God, he had normal days just like you and I do. He didn't go around, he didn't, he didn't go around, you know, uh, um, uh, calling, telling the rain to stop all the time or telling the rain to start again every time. He didn't do that a lot, but when he, w- when he was called upon to do that, he done that. But the reason why he was called upon and God could depend on him was because of his daily walk. I mean, say amen. See, we're used to highs and lows. And quite honestly, I like the highs. Because God said, I'll cause you to ride on the high places. I don't even have a right. I don't even have a right to get down. I'm a bad testimony when I'm down. Now, I may have these inner emotions that want to bring me down. And I may even look sad at times. But I can tell you right now, God wants you and I to ride on the high places continually. Even in my everyday life, June 28, 2020, God wants me today to ride on the high places. Not because it's Sunday. Not because I'm in church with you. But listen, God wants me to walk daily. The world out there is looking for men and women that will live with God every day, ride on the high places every day. I'm a blessing. I'm an honor. I'm a great testimony to God when I ride on the high places. I don't have a right to have a blue Monday. I don't have a right. I don't have a right. What God wants from me, he's given me joy. He's given me everything I need. And he said, I want you to, listen, I want you, these, these people had a good report, a good testimony, a good testimony. That's what God wants out of me. That's what God wants out of you, a good testimony every day of your life. Come on, say amen. Come on. amen. Pastor Tex Sawyers, who is my pastor, I'd call him Mr. Persistent, Mr. Faithful. In a small town, small church, one time it was much larger, small, small community. He's touched the world. England, Guatemala, different places. He's old-fashioned. He's traditional. Came out, out of a Baptist church, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Very traditional. He comes here every January and preaches for us. What I like about him, his consistency. Every day walking with God. Every day he's in that church praying. Every day he's lived and put up with Juanita all these years. <laughs> every day his life speaks to me. A man with a good report. A man with a good report. I hesitate about doing this, and I won't call any names. But I will tell you, there's a family in our church that 37 years ago, 37 years ago, started to this church. They've missed very few services. They seldom ever say anything. What's really amazing to me 
I guess it's because I'm a perfect pastor, but they have never complained about anything as I recall. And let me tell you, you know, they could probably tell us about miraculous things. We might not see them as miraculous. As a matter of fact, she told me about a miraculous thing. One of the kids or grandkids was on a tractor and on a hillside and tie rod broke, you know, and that means you have no steering. And, and so it could have been bad. But he said to her, God was there and, and I'm safe. Everything's all right. She just told me that this morning. But it's the life, Wanda. It's not the testimony you gave me this morning. It's the life of consistency. The life of consistency. I mean, just keep serving God. Let me tell you the miraculous thing that's happened in their life. The greatest thing, the greatest miracle that I see in their life is here they are 37 years later. Their children, their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren are all saved and in church, in this church. That's unheard of nowadays for the kids and the grandkids and everybody to follow in the same, go to the same church. It's just not heard of very often, and I'll put it that way. That's a miraculous thing. But let me tell you why that happened. That happened because somebody is consistent, consistently praying, consistently living for God. Not out, maybe not out there raising the dead every day. I believe they could if need be. But I can tell you this, it's that consistent, persistent life. I'm telling you, there's a practical side to faith that we need to see again. How many can say amen? Come on. amen? So what are you called to do? What's your purpose? Whatever it is, you need to do it faithfully. You need to do it daily. This kind of faith that I'm talking about is the kind of faith that we lean on. We rely on God constantly. Constantly. Never get into fear. Of course, the pandemic starts, I'm thinking, what do we do? What do I do? What do we do? What do we do in the church? What, what do we do? But the, the main thing the Lord began to speak to me is, do not fear. Do not get into fear. Don't do it. I rely and trust in God. I have nothing to fear. Come on, say Amen. Tell your neighbor, I have nothing to fear. God is my father. I have nothing to fear. Nothing. And so I want us to look in the book of James. And again, if you have your Bible there, I think they'll also they'll put it on the overhead. James chapter 2. I'll read there in a moment. I'll call this the target. The target. I want to direct you to a target this morning. The life of faith. I want to take another look at faith and what James has to say about faith. In James chapter 2, verse 14, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding action is dead. 
without action, it's dead. I'm going to give you some things from the book of James. I won't necessarily refer to verses, but if you read through, you study through the book of James, you will find these. True faith will work. True faith will produce. True faith is visible. Yeah, it works. It calls things from the invisible into the visible world. But your faith should produce, and it should produce some visible results. Our faith is seen in our faithfulness. Verbal and mental faith is insufficient. True faith inspires action and practical experience manifested in everyday life. Faith endures trials, meets them head on, will not let us slide into sin, obeys the word, hears and produces, harbors no prejudice. Faith and favoritism cannot coexist. That's what I see from the book of James. Faith displays itself in works, is more than knowledge and words. I met a lot of wise people, a lot of them much wiser than me. But they, didn't use, they had no knowledge on how to put that wisdom to work. You could ask them a question and they might be able to give you outstanding answers. But it just didn't work in their life. Faith without works is dead. Faith is demonstrated by my obedience, consistent obedience. Elijah said to his servant one day, they're on top of the mountain and it's not rained for three and a half years and he bows down and by the way, I love this story. I've told it many times. He bowed or he squatted in the position of a woman having a baby. And he prayed until the baby was born. That's what he'd done. He was in intercession. But he said to the servant, go look and see if you see anything. And the servant come back and said, I don't see anything. And the second time, go look and see if you see anything. And he come back and said, I don't see anything. Now, we have to understand something here. The prayer of faith saves the sick. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to doubt. But what he's doing here is he's being persistent. And Jesus said you need to be persistent. Don't give up. Faith does not give up. The third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time. And I'm sure the servant, if he'd been like me or maybe a lot of us, would have said, hold it, hold it. I prayed about that twice. I prayed about that three times. I've, I've, you know, I've asked, I've asked for that. I've asked for that. But what did he do? He was persistent. He kept on. He was a servant. Listen, I'm, and I'll get to this a little later, but I, but faithfulness is seen in my servanthood. I just keep obeying the master. He just kept on. And the seventh time he come back and said, yeah, I see a cloud like a, about the size of a man or like a man's hand. 
that was all Elijah needed. And I'll tell you again in my Arkansas language, he said, you better get to higher ground because it's a fixing to rain. Amen. The disciples have been out fishing all night. Jesus come along and said, they, he said, we've not caught anything. And he said, well, throw your net on the other side. I'm sure the, the thought went through their mind, look, you're a great guy. And we've even called you, Lord, we even believe you're the son of God. But we're fishermen. We know how to do this. No, he was obedient. They were obedient. They threw on the other side and, of course, caught a net full of fish. It's demonstrated by our obedience. It overtly responds to God's promises. It controls the tongue, but it empowers my words. Faith acts wisely. It shuns earthly wisdom. It causes us to resist the devil and submit to God. It stifles complaining, even in trouble. Listen, complaining is a sure sign I'm not standing in faith. Complaining. And by the way, let's just, let's, let me just dwell on this a minute. Let me just meddle a little bit in your business. There were people in the Old Testament that complained and they never received the promise of God. They died in the wilderness simply because they complained. They did not trust God. Faith stifles complaining even in trouble. Faith waits patiently for the coming of the Lord. Back to Luke 18, 8. Will I find faith when I return? Does not come by getting louder or hyper. Okay, that was not James. That was Pastor Bill. Let me give you another one from Pastor Bill. Faith will give you drive. It'll wake you up every morning. It'll wake you up every morning. Every morning, there's something in you, in me, that says, get up. Now, a lot of times, that's the alarm clock, or that's your husband or wife, or that's the need to go to work. But listen, don't look at your work as work. You have a purpose, a calling in life. And I need to, if I know that and I have faith for that, it'll cause me to get up and say, today is going to be better than yesterday. Today, the devil better look out. Today, today, I'm going to do exploits for God. Today, I'm going to live with purpose on purpose. Amen. Come on, can you say amen? amen? Today, today, I say most every morning before I get out of bed, I will say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. You know why? Because I come from a long line of complainers, and I have decided I am not going to fall into that rut. Amen? Amen. I lived there for a long time, but I've decided this is the day the Lord has made. I'll be glad and rejoice in it. This morning, Sunday morning, I know I'm coming to church. I know I'm going to preach. And listen, if there's ever a time that the devil will fight against you, you ministers know this, it's on Sunday morning before you, or any other time that you're getting ready to preach. Amen. And Lord, did I ever want to lay there a few more minutes. 
And did my body say, you know, it'll be all right. Just lay here. And that's, you know, I'm not going to get into guilt because I didn't get up as early as usual this morning. But I can tell you right now, I said to myself, I have something on the inside of me. I have a message on the inside of me. I have a life to live today. I have a wife to love. Come on, say amen. How many know that's faith? How many say amen? And some of you, it's really faith. <laughs> uh, I'll move away from that quickly. <clears throat> but it'll, faith will put drive in you. I have a purpose. I have a calling. I have some zip in. I have some dance in my feet. Can you say amen? Faith will cause you to do that. Persistent, consistent faith. A life of faith. A life, a, 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 this kind of faith will give you your life a good testimony and a good report. It'll put the drive in you. I want to I conclude with this verse in James chapter 1. Faith is seen in our attitude. Everybody say attitude. Attitude determines your altitude. Look at James chapter 1 verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a real powerful statement. This man was the brother of Jesus Christ. He made no brag in the fact. He didn't even say, this is my brother. He was my brother. He didn't even say, you know, well... He's my brother, and so he done all of this, and so, you know, I'm just right there with him, and I'm as important as him, you know, on and on and on and on. No, no, no. What did he say? I am a bondservant. I'm in submission to, I'm in subjection to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you right now, faith says to me, I am a bondservant. Nothing more, nothing less. You know, I, I, I tell people around here, I don't like titles. Titles only tell me what my job description is. I don't like it. I don't, you know, I'm not apostle so-and-so. And, and listen, I'm not against anyone. There's a great apostle in my life. His name is Tex Sawyers. On and on. Uh, uh, this man sitting right here, Jan Venter. We, we could call him all of those things. But listen. Jan Venter don't come and say, I'm Apostle Jan Venter. He comes and says, I'm a bond servant. We have had people in this church preach powerful sermons. But there's something about their attitude that says, no. It says, I'm not a bond servant. I'm, I'm not a bond servant. I'm somebody special. Let me tell you, you're special in God's eyes, but you're no better than anybody else. It's a completely level playing field. I mean, say Amen. I'm a bond servant. Tell your neighbor, I'm a bond servant. You might want to help them out now and tell them you are too. Nothing more and nothing less than a bond servant. And see, by faith, I receive that. By faith, I'm just a bond servant. Nothing more, nothing less. God wants to use me in a powerful way today, fine. If he wants to use me mowing the lawn today, fine. Whatever he wants out of me, I'm in, subject, I'm in subjection to him. Can you say Amen. So ask yourself, do I walk by faith? Do I live by faith? Hebrews 13, 7 says that we should follow people who walk by faith. 
we follow a lot of people on Facebook, but you know we really ought to be following. Paul, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We should be following people who are following, following Christ. How I many say amen? It's all right to follow someone, but you better make sure they're following Jesus. Amen. When any time they get off course, just keep following Jesus. Keep your, don't, don't keep your eyes on them. So am I living by faith? Am I walking by faith? Is it my desire to live by faith? Is it my desire to be a person with a good report, a good testimony? Without it, Hebrews eleven six, it is impossible for me to please God. Lord, I thank you for this word. I pray, Father, help me. Guide me. Strengthen me for the, for the long haul, for that daily walk. That I might be found faithful to the end. Consistent, persistent. Faithful to the end. The old Morris Chapman song. A man of the spirit, a man of the word, faithful to the end. I pray, Father. God, help us to be people of faith. Help us to be leaders of faith. Help us to be parents that demonstrate faith to our children. That those that follow us, those that are looking to us, we might help them learn to follow you to follow you, to walk in faith with you, to stand in faith with you. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for that, Oh, what a great episode this has been. I hope it's enriched your life. I hope you feel blessed and encouraged as you've heard these words today. Now go make a difference. Shut